my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week. A great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Andrew Donaldson. Always a great time talking to Andrew. Uh, and we covered quite a bit. Obviously, the big news of the day uh, that Donald Trump announced he is running for president again. Uh, we get into all of that. Plenty of opinions to go around on that topic. Uh, and we covered a whole bunch of other stuff as well. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Andrew, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take literally five seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Andrew Donaldson. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Andrew Donaldson. Andrew, thanks for taking the time, man. Man, it's funny. We joke about it. Like, we talk all the time. We forget that we have shows, and we never get each other on either show. It's been like a year and a half, but it's because we talk all the time, and we just forget to record any of it. I know. It's so like it's I, great to be with you. I just forget to book you as a guest. I think well, that's, that's it. And somebody's like, well, how do you talk to somebody like Brady? He's, I was like, because we're always talking guitars or hunting or guns or <laughs> food. Like, we never, ever talk politics. No. Hardly ever. Very it's always, rarely. You know, hey, I, I I was looking at this firearm, or usually we're talking about hunting or the outdoors or how crazy Ohio is or, you know, family stuff. But, you know, that's the good stuff. But, yeah, we forget to we forget to record. <laughs> There's some good stuff in there. We ought to probably do, like, a best of series of just us talking about, like, crazy stuff sometime. Or if the world gets too crazy and we need a break from politics, we'll just do a bunch of shows on random nonsense. You know, I'm, I'm always... Uh... Hey. That's why I have a movie guy I bring on every so often. That's why uh, we're getting... I got a good one for you. We just booked it. I've got a guy who monitored. I love people that are. I have people on to talk about politics and economics and stuff like that. But you find out what else they're really into. Like our buddy, Dr. Michael Siegel, you know, he flies his spacecraft. He's the head of the Swift mission. That's his side hustle. Oh, my God. So he's my space <laughs> guy. Right. And I have um, Mike Viola from fee.org. You, you read their stuff all the time. Um, he's an economist, but he minored in Egyptology. He's an expert in ancient Egypt. So I put the two of them together. I'm like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do the ancient aliens pyramid episode. We're just going to do a (laughs) podcast of it. Screw it. And we already, we booked it now. We're going to do it the first of December. I can't wait, but you got to do stuff like that and have some fun with it. Cause if you just do politics, that's why I do the food group every day. That's why I do music. That's why I started playing guitar again. You've got to have stuff that gives you a break from this stuff. Because if you just have a constant, look, we've seen it for the last few years. Look at the people who all they do is talk about politics nonstop. It's not healthy, man. No, no, I, yeah, it's it is it's fascinating that people like and they enjoy. I mean, like we both, you know, get paid to talk about politics, which is yep. why we do not it. much, not much. We take no, more. <laughs> we take PayPal. DMs open. There take you go. Donations. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I will not turn down donations. But it's like if if there was no incentive professionally to talk politics, there's no way I would. It's just not. It wouldn't be worth the stress. Like I don't. I, I people that recreationally talk politics over the dinner table it's like man i just don't i just can't relate like that's just not <laughs> i mean i feel 
I feel a sense of, I've talked to you about this before. Like I started doing this because I really did feel a sense of like the 2016 election. I've told this story before. I, I was in the hospital from August to November of that election. So I sat all that out. I was in the hospital. So I'm just watching from the side. So yeah, I want to be involved and I want it to matter and I want to be involved. You know, there's a sense of duty to doing it. Yeah. Well, first, but for, then in there for you got to find those spots. For you know. people back home who haven't heard the story, you didn't just sit out the 2016 election. You were out, out. Oh no! Like there's three weeks in September. I don't remember anything because I was on a ventilator. <laughs> like there, there's pictures in some of my writing. You can go look. But no, I went in August. I think August 3rd or 4th, and I got out two days before Election Day because election going to vote was the first time I had been out of the house. Um, I had to actually be assisted. I had to, this. This changed my perspective on voting too. I've done an episode on uh, disability voting. I had to use the ADA station because I had to be able to sit down. Oh right. And I had my pack because I had a J tube in, which is a feeding tube, which is surgically, you know, it's hanging out of my belly. It's surgically attached, and I had a still had a, you know, feeding line in and all this stuff. So I had a little backpack because I had to pump. And I walked into the polling station, and I had somebody physically helping me walk because I could barely walk. I'm two days out of the hospital. And they're like, well, you can't carry a bag. And I finally just pulled my shirt up. I'm like, lady, it's surgically attached. I cannot put my <laughs> bag down. You know, so it's stuff like that's why I kind of got into how polling places actually work. And we did shows on, like, you know, you got to train your poll workers. I had to use the ADA station because I needed to sit down while I voted, things like, you know, things like that change your perspective. But, yeah, I had to lay in, in Duke Hospital and just watch all that on TV. I tell you what, it's fun. You're on a ventilator. You come out of a coma, and the Cubs are in the World Series, and Donald Trump's getting ready to be president. I'm like, what the hell happened? <laughs> this is crazy. No, I'm joking a little bit. But, yeah, it, it changes your perspective. And then when I got done with that and I couldn't work anymore, real job, although I work, you know, way too much doing this. That changes your perspective. I'm like, no, nah, I need to be involved. And then I started writing, and that led to all this other stuff. So, Yeah. Yeah, the 2016 election is why I started doing the show. Um, I don't know if I told you this or not. It's just because of my disdain for media, for the mainstream yeah. media. I mean, they're, they're so bad. And I was um, just texting, watching the election results come in. Um, man, that's, what, six years ago now. And uh, I'm watching it at my place in Toledo, and my, my former producer and co-host was watching uh, the results at his place in Jacksonville, Florida, and we're just texting back and forth, and I'm I'm flicking flipping back and forth between like Fox News and MSNBC, and watching the hacks on both sides. You know, like the Fox News folks are all, uh, you know, as we told you, we told you Trump was going to win. You know, like he had it in the bag this whole time, and then I, I flipped it over to MSNBC and uh, Martha Raddatz, um, one of their correspondents, who's a best-selling author, was crying on air because her preferred candidate lost, and. And I texted my buddy Josiah, my, my former co-host. I'm like, man, if we can't, if we can't do political commentary better than this, <laughs> then, oh. then we should. Oh. I mean, like any, we got to do this, man. We're like, look at look at our competition. These people are terrible. So it's like I was just so disgusted by the press coverage that I just decided to to get involved. You know. Yeah, and the thing is, and we're going to talk a lot of Donald Trump today, but the thing about the Trump era, especially that 2015 2016 campaign, is. The one thing you cannot, everybody should be able to agree on, Trump really exposed a lot of stuff because Trump's just Trump, good, bad, indifferent, good, bad, ugly, whatever you want to call it, for, against him, or both, or you go back and forth, or whatever. He exposed a lot of stuff because just people didn't know how to deal with it. And you watch that with media, and you watch that with other politicians. I mean, how many politicians did we think— were, you know, something special until Trump showed up and exposed them a little bit. Right. And it's the same thing with me. I started doing, you know, writing and media, and then that led to radio, and then that led to doing a podcast, and now we do a daily show that's, you know, 
we crossed 50,000 downloads yesterday. I still can't believe anybody listens to our little show. But that's why we do it. It wasn't that we were going to replace NBC or whatever, but it's like, you know what? We want to have meaningful conversations with people that know what they're talking about that don't get on the rotation of talking heads. Yeah. Like really smart people. I bet I'm not the only one. And if you put out good stuff like that, there's audiences out there. They just want real, man. Yeah. Like you can be wrong. You don't have to be right all the time. You can be wrong. They just want real and they want different and they want people to talk. And this is the biggest thing for media. And we just did this again last week and we did it all through COVID and we did it during the 2016 election. People are sick to death of being talked down to like they have the same Google machine that all the media folks have. We all like everybody has the same information now. Yeah. So you better present it in a way of like, look, people sit. You know how I learned this? I had a pastor tell me this a couple of years ago and I never forgot. He's like, you got to understand now when you preach that the teenagers are fact checking you on their phones. Yeah. As you're yeah. doing it. And the media hadn't figured out that the public is fact-checking them as they're reporting now. Everybody has the same level of information now for the most part, except for some exclusive, you know, inside journalism, access journalism stuff. Everybody knows everything now. It's all in how you discern it. It's all in how you present it. People don't want to be talked down to about it. That's the biggest thing with this current media environment. Yeah, the, I mean, the people just deserve better. I mean, they, the audience deserves something more real and authentic. It just, you know, it's it's... You know, I, I do agree that Donald Trump did expose traditional legacy media um, as, as the clowns that they are. And it's, you know, looking back on it, knowing that, you know, faith in, in corporate media is down to, you know, they're polling around, you know, 20 percent or 15 percent or something like that trust in the mainstream media. And it's like looking back on it, though, it's like, how the heck did they survive? Did that model survive as long as it did? Like it is, it's, yeah. it's like, man, they, cause they've never, it's, you know, people are like, oh, you know, the media has been biased or they've been this or that for, for 10 years or 20 years. No, they've been who they are for a hundred years since, you know, pre-World War II, you know? So it's like, it is fascinating that these people have, have survived, that business model survived as long as it has. And if guys like you and I can just do uh, just a little bit, just do our part to bring those people down, then I, then I think it's all worth it. You know, my fight you know, I, I'd say this all the time, like, yeah, you know, I want to beat the Democrats and everything. And uh, but my fight is just enough against the press um, that it is the left. You know, I, I, I view those people in a lot of ways as more nefarious than the politicians, even because I think that they're usually a little bit smarter than the politicians. So um, and, and they they seem to be less motivated by things like money and power. They just want their ideology to rule where politicians can be bought, <laughs> you know, which makes it a little bit less complicated, I think. You know what's funny about it, though, is I've actually gotten a lot of writing opportunities and media opportunities because I'm different. Yeah. I didn't go to J school. I didn't. I mean, I did my college later online, but, you know, I flunked out of multiple colleges because I was a knucklehead when I was a kid. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't mature. I was stupid. I was a moron. I have a lot of life experience, though. I cannot tell you how many editors I've talked to. And I do mentoring now with the Young Voices uh, folks, which, you know, most of them are college age or just got out of college or a lot of them are grad students and kind of learning to do. I love doing that stuff and working with them. I tell them this all the time. like, you would not believe how many editors and booking people for media I talk to. And they're like, oh, no, we love having you because you're different. One of the biggest problems with media, and it's not even really their fault. It's just kind of the way that, you know, you are your ecosystem. There's so much sameness. They all go to the same schools. They all have the same internships. They all go to the same programs. They end up working at the same four or five places. It's just same, 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 same. It's really hard to be different in that ecosystem. So a lot of that bias stuff is actually just kind of ingrained into them because they're all doing the same thing and they all end up sounding the same. 
Uh, that's why the ratings are bad because, like, you know, there's not a lot of difference in the different channels. It's the same five. I've, I've joked about this before, but here, here's your problem when, like, and I don't want to pick on CNN because they're down, but let's pick on CNN for a second. So you have your lead story of the day, you know. Brady Leonard said something stupid on Twitter, right? So they'll run a four-minute clip on Brady Leonard said something stupid. So then they'll bring in their A-line guests to comment on Brady Leonard said something stupid. Yep. And then they'll go to a commercial and they'll come back and they'll have a five-member panel of talking heads to discuss what Brady Leonard said was stupid and what the guest had just said about it. That's the first 25 minutes of every newscast now. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's the formula. And it's like, did anybody say anything that mattered a lick after the first 90 seconds? No. no. But... No. The thing that really turns people off, though, is and why I try to get like, you know, if I want to talk economics, I bring an economist on. If I want to talk science, I bring a science on those panels. It's the same five, six people for every single story, no matter what the topic is. You ever notice that? That's what drives people nuts. Like, I don't need to hear the same four people on every single subject. It's just same, 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 same. And I but the thing is, is after the first five, you know what they're going to say. I mean, and it's, like, no, and it's the same. There's nothing it's the to formula. Learn. There's a formula to yeah. the panel too. It's like hack writer, former congressman, pretty blonde girl, and the host. And then you'll have a combustible. <laughs> yeah, you'll have the combustible element. Right. Uh, remember when? Remember when? Uh, was it CNN to have Jeffrey Lord on for years in the early Trump years, and they just had him on to say something just really inflammatory about Trump, so everybody else could react to it, and it was just so obvious. It's like you just. And then they had you know. Uh, Rick Santorum filled this role for a while, remember? You yeah. just have the guy on to say something stupid so that other people can dogpile him. Yeah, yeah. And, it's and just they, have the, they had the Lincoln Project guys on, uh, uh, Rick Wilson and all those guys, to, to say stupid stuff and have people make fun of them. Yeah. They ought to make the Sting 3 Lincoln Project, really. Because <laughs> those guys ran the greatest scheme since the wire room with Paul Newman and, and Robert Redford. Like, what a great what a great scam they ran on people. Yeah, I mean— Millions and millions of dollars. I mean, you you— They got rich. You've you know. seen Schmidt do his live shots from his kitchen in Park City, Utah. That's a nice kitchen. Look, I, you know me. I like to cook. That is a nice kitchen, man. He bought himself a nice kitchen with all yeah. that scam money. Yeah, There's gold, money in it, but, but I don't know. How do you live money, with man. yourself? I don't know. I mean, it's I, terrible. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why those those gentlemen should have a tough time sleeping at night. But And he also mentioned, like, and, and it is true, you're good at what you do because of your life experience. You've exactly. quite a bit of it. And, and I'm not I'm not going, like, Bernie Sanders class war or something like that but that is a big reason why a lot of these corporate journalists suck at their jobs is because they have absolutely no life experience at all it doesn't matter if they're 25 right out of j school or if they're 50 like a lot of these people that come into these corporate media outlets uh, they're like the same kind of person and obviously there's exceptions of course i'm not i'm I'm not trying to paint with too broad a brush but it's like these white rich coastal lefties their parents paid for their college. They lived in a mansion their whole lives. That it's like you just it, hit on a huge thing of it. There's a there's a ceiling in journalism now where the really hardworking, really good journalists. I'm talking, and I don't care if you're biased or not. I was like, can you get in, investigate, and tell me? I read lots of ProPublica stuff. There is progress. They're blatantly progressive, but when they investigate something, they're usually right about it. Like they're dogged. Right. Those folks cannot get into broadcast journalism though. Right. Why? Because it's and I've said this before. It's an exclusive in-club first, it's a business model, and it's a TV show. And then when they're done with those three things, every now and then they'll do some journalism. Right. So the people that do, you know, the old shoe leather journalism, the people that really work hard, the people that do that, that's why I have congressional correspondents on all the time. I just had Eric Garcia on yesterday. Um, You know, 
guys that talk it's like because when I ask him about Joe Manchin, it's because he talked to Joe Manchin yesterday. Right. Because that's right. his job, right? Right, right. But a lot of those folks, that's a different skill set than being good. You everybody's had anybody that's ever had an office job knows this. Are you being good at a job and being good in the office that people think you're good at your job is two right. different things. And the right. corporate and broadcast media is a lot of are you good in the office, or are you a good hang? And that's how you get those jobs because it is an in club. So the really, really good journalists, a lot of the times they have a ceiling on their career where it's like either I got to go play this game to get that job and to get into that stratosphere of work and change what I do to do that, or I can keep doing this and not get paid. And you hit on the biggest thing you said is J school. This is a college problem that we've talked about before. The college is so expensive right now. People that really probably should be in journalism that could do it, they can't afford to go to J school to get into it. No. And it's the same problem like people all over the place. They can't afford the school to get into it, but that's the gatekeeping of it now. And it's a shame. So that you're getting more and more upper class people that can afford the school getting into the exclusive in club. And it becomes this incestuous beast where you're just narrowing down, narrowing down, narrowing down the pool of people you're pulling into your... And this is any profession. I'm not just picking on journalists here. If you're narrowing the pool you're pulling from from your profession, your profession is not going to be as strong as it should be. And that's what we're seeing happen right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I hope that all crashes and burns and we can rebuild something totally different when they're it, all gone. It is. It is. It's changing because the new media model, you know, like advert... I don't want to bore people with business stuff. Advertising is getting ready to rapidly change. One of the things with, and you know, I've got my issues with Musk, but the re, one of the things with Twitter right now is watch how the advertisers react to this thing. Advertisers still haven't figured out social media and new media and the no. media companies and social media companies haven't figured it out either. Everybody's on the same, like everybody's learning. This is all baby step stuff. When they actually learn how to monetize social media, there's going to be an exodus from television media because we already have the data it doesn't work like my kids and they're all teens and adults now the generation below they get offended when a tv commercial comes on they oh, yeah. they feel like you're in their personal private space because they grew <laughs> up on streaming yeah they grew up yeah. on demand they don't want to see a commercial if your product is on a commercial that interrupts their 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 viewing experience they get mad yeah we've got the data now that's all going away advertising is getting ready to change when advertising changed the business model changed and advertising is what drives cable news so that means cable news is going to have to change that means how you and me do our stuff's going to change watch advertising because remember always follow the money gets you pretty close to the truth the way the money moves is going to change how media goes and that's what's happening right now is nobody has really got a handle on how to monetize the new media yet because yeah. the old rush limbaugh model Rush's real genius was his monetization. Cable news used Rush Limbaugh's monetization model. Yep. That's yep. where that all came from. Yep. Okay. That model's kind of dead and gone now. They haven't figured out what the next thing is yet. That's why oh, you see also, the ratings. There's never going to be a guy that commands the audience of a Rush. Well, you can't because the environment. Or yeah, you just not. anything. I mean, like he would get uh, just tens of millions of daily listeners. I mean, that's twenty mil, twenty million average. I mean, so that's there game was of, there was twenty five to twenty bounce in there. It's that's crazy. Game of Thrones. That's Game of Thrones numbers. That's you know, you know, it's NFL playoff games are getting yeah. fifteen million. Yeah. Like it, you're never going to see that again. The and of course the environment's different. The internet's different, although Rush was very um, tech-savvy. You know, he was, you know, a right. big Apple geek. But you're not going to see that anymore. Nobody has a handle on what's coming next. The podcast stuff is kind of still, it's kind of an initial step into that world where everybody can platform themselves. When somebody figures out how to, I hate to use a mob term, but it's the best way I can think of it. When you start getting these syndicates 
of new media people figuring out how to build their own networks. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to be the next thing you see is people kind of kind of coming together and working together and like, hey man, we we don't we don't need a and I'm not knocking anybody because I'd love to have the paycheck from them. DMs <laughs> open absolutely. But like an iHeartRadio that that dominates that kind of podcasting radio sphere, you're going to see more crossover stuff. You're going to see like radio stations are now becoming uh, mass media companies. You're seeing radio stations yep. go into digital marketing yep. more and more. I just I just had a meeting about this with a radio station yesterday. They're they're making all their money in digital marketing, and now they're going back to their radio properties and multi-platform. There's so much change here, and and yeah. that's what people need to pay attention to. Just banging on the bias. Bias has never bothered me in the media once. Just tell me up front. I'll discern whether I can use the information or not. But this thing of pretending like the legacy media is owed something, that's all gone because this whole thing is going to change radically in the next five, ten years. By, like political bias, right-left bias doesn't bother me, but no. the bias of corporate journalists when they're promoting something that is ob just objectively evil. is you know When they're, they're pushing... Destructive things that hurt or kill people. That that's what it's not like the. I, I get that they want they you know the, most of the media wants me to vote for Joe Biden, but like I understand that they've been like that forever. But like you know, I mean going back to the fifties, New York Times sending correspondents to Moscow saying we've seen the future and it works. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, you know if you're if you're actively promoting communism, you know, I, destructive ideologies like that. Like that, that's, I am, that's not biased. Yeah, that's, that's I'm so wicked. thankful. My first election was the 98 midterm. So f for those of you that are too young to remember, that's the impeachment midterm. They're going to impeach yeah. Clinton. That's what's on the ballot. Yep. And the Republicans got washed. They lost 10 or 11 seats, which back then was a big deal for yeah, a midterm. Yeah. That never happened yep. because people didn't want the impeachment. But I'm so thankful that that was kind of my first election and my first intro into it because I found out real quick how everybody's a hypocrite. Because remember, the GOP had to go through three speakers of the House to impeach Clinton because <laughs> – right. and then the one that replaced those three was Dennis Hastert. So let's not even go down that road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's, yeah. You know, is he still in prison or did he get out yet? But anyway. He's still in prison, isn't he? Yeah, the – the point is, is like, and now we know how much the media covered for Clinton and yeah. all the abuse of women and the what you know, you cannot do what they did where they just went on TV no. and basically called the people that had accusations against Clinton and they just called them every name you should not ever call a female in polite company, let alone on network TV. James Carville, yes, I remember right. you talking right. about dragging a twenty dollar bill through a through a trailer park. That happened. Yeah. yeah, like it's on YouTube. You can go look. People have short memories. I'm glad I went through that because it taught me real early on that everybody's a hypocrite for their guy. So yeah. nothing surprises me now. Yeah. And I and I just learned up front, like, look, the media and some of it's laziness. We just saw it with this election. Look, they're doing it right now with the DeSantis thing. And this isn't anything against DeSantis. It's just as soon as this election was over, we've got to have the horse race for the next one ready. Up Trump v. DeSantis, like five minutes later. Why? It doesn't even have anything to do with the narrative. It's just that's their model. We have to have horse race so we can cover the horse race because that's how we fit it into all our coverage. Like they like just like a switch got thrown. That's what the, they do. I want and I'm pushing the Trump versus DeSantis narrative for just completely different reasons than oh sure the corporate media is. It's I just good want for be, business. Like it, no it, doubt, it's, it's going to be good do with for that. business. It's bad for me. It's bad for my business. Trump fans <laughs> freaking hate me right now, and I've been <laughs> losing numbers because of it, but. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about Donald Trump. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys back home have heard of him, but uh, this fella, Donald Trump, uh, you might uh, you might know him. Uh, he announced he's running for president again. 
I think he's um, in real estate up in New York somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, not he was. sure. Yeah, back in the day. But he's bringing back all the greatest hits um, during his speech last night, promising to do all the things that he failed to do when he was president for four years. Uh, the speech was, was a little boring. It was pretty subdued. Um, it, to be fair, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just watched the highlights. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mean boring compared to say a Joe Biden. But certainly by Trump standards, uh, there wasn't anything too remarkable there. But uh, before we get into everything and what it means moving forward, what, what do you think, man? Do you think Trump uh, can recreate his 2016 magic in 2024 at age 78 or 79 or however old it be? I think he's seven, getting ready to turn 77. If I'm, I may be wrong about that, but no, he's old. In a word, no. Um, you know, can he win a Republican primary? I wouldn't completely take that off the board because God knows I was already I was wrong about it the first two times. Right. Um, and I've learned my lesson about pronostication. So yeah, I mean it's feasible. I know what he can't win. He cannot win a national election. No, he can't. And he can't win a general. A a blue painted fire plug will beat Donald Trump in a general election. Yep. A comatose. I'm sorry, guys. Just I'm just telling you the truth. A comatose Joe Biden beats Donald Trump probably by ten points. Yeah. He cannot win a general election. So do you want to go through this primary thing, which he's going to do? I, you know, I wrote about it this morning. Like, look, you know, you know what Trump is now. You ever get behind coupon lady at the store, who's got <laughs> oh, yeah. the coupon and starts arguing with the manager about her coupon? Yep. She's got the receipt. She's owed something. That's Trump's got the receipt that the party signed the party over to him, and he's not going to go quietly and quietly shooing him by the management isn't going to make him leave. That's what this was. It was a, you know, I called it a, a memathon. It was a really long, boring speech. It was just his regular term. Look, he's he's declaring for presidency for a couple of reasons. One is um, he wants it to look like everybody else is coming after him because that's his stick. Right. He wants to be first. He feels aggrieved. It's an ego thing. He probably does think he's going to win, but I don't think this is even a political calculation. I, th- I think he just, and let's be honest, the reason he files the FEC par- paperwork is because now they can move around a massive amount of money for a lot of different things. Right. Um, you want to talk about blaming the midterms? He's got a lot of money he didn't spend on anybody. He just moved from account to account to account. We can talk about that some other time. There's a lot of reasons. I Yeah, it was inevitable he's going to run because now everybody that declares is going to have to declare again. They're not running for president. They're running against Trump. He's setting a narrative here. Right. But he's weakened. But here's the thing. You know how it is. Doesn't matter how old and broke down the champ is. He's got the belt. You're not going to get it on decision. Somebody's going to have to run against yep. him and knock him out. That's just the facts of the matter on the ground. But yeah. I mean, politics really hasn't changed much in the last three or four thousand years. You know, you got to kill the king to be the king. I mean, it just, it. It, it is what it is. And Trump, you know, he does think by announcing his bid two years out, which is, to the best of my knowledge, earlier than which is insane. Ever. By the way. Yeah, Nobody I, I, does this. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's been like fringe small candidates that have done something like that. But to the best of my knowledge, just the earliest a credible candidate has ever announced uh, their candidacy. Uh, he thinks that he's going to be able to bully or at least he's hoping that he'll be able to bully everyone else out of running. Um, he clearly fears Ron DeSantis, which he should, um, and that, that's why he's attacking him with some real weak sauce attacks. I mean, he's he's really not bringing his best material to the table, I don't think. Uh, I mean, Does he, he sees, have it? Does he have good material for Ron DeSantis? That's my question. Ron DeSanctimonious? That's the best he can come up with? I mean, say what you want about Trump. He's it's at a least little usually unwieldy. pretty funny. Well, but no, it, because when you do a limerick, it's got to be one or two syllables, right? <laughs> right, right. Look, no, I mean, like, you know, when I did when I was titling my show, somebody told me, it was like, look, one, two or three syllables max, anything more than that, it's not going to fit. Like, you know, you know, little Marco, bang, you right. know, Chris Lion Christie, Ted. like, Lion Ted, bang, bang, bang. 
Ron de Sanctimonious. Like, if people got to go Google the thesaurus, because a lot of people <laughs> probably don't know what sanctimonious is. Yeah. I, I don't know. And here, here there's two things with Ron DeSantis since you brought him up. One is the Republicans need to not rush him. Let it let it develop. You don't want to crown him and not let him take his lumps. Let it, let it develop naturally. I know he's the next big thing, but let it develop naturally. He's playing Trump perfectly right now by just ignoring it because Trump is a counterpuncher. So yep. when he doesn't have anything to counterpunch with, which is the problem with DeSantis right now, he's got nothing to work with. He's yeah. got nothing to work with, and it's really apparent he's got nothing to work with. Yeah, and, and DeSantis, he did handle that perfectly. He finally I think so too. sort of responded to Trump's attacks, but he didn't He didn't even dignify the attacks. He didn't even say Trump by name, which was brilliant. He just said, hey, you know, when you're a leader, you're getting stuff done, you come under attack, you know? And then he and he literally said, check the scoreboard, <laughs> which is which I thought was, was brilliant. And it's because, you know, tr- Trump knows. He sees those polls that, I forget who, who put out the state polls, saying that DeSantis was up in a theoretical matchup in Iowa and New Hampshire and Georgia and all that. Trump loves polls. Like, Trump is obsessed yeah. with polls. He loves Hold them on, a lot more than we do. Hold on, back up for a second, though. DeSantis just won Florida by 19 points. 19 and a half. And Trump sees that. He That's why he's attacking This DeSantis. was a battleground state four years ago. He Four years ago, he won by 30,000 votes. He won by 1.6 million. Against a meth addict. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a... a yeah. I mean, we didn't know it yeah. then. We found out right after. But, like, seriously, like 30,000 votes and Gillum's yeah. the governor. Th- we're talking a whole different beast here. Yeah. He flipped Dade County for the first time, I think, in the 21st century that Palm, I'm aware of. Palm Beach County, Duval County. Yeah. And Trump like this, sees that. This, he, this he sees was the a... success. And that's why he's trying to cut DeSantis off at the pass. But I just don't—I I don't think—I think there's so much time. I think Trump declaring so early is going to eventually bite him. And I, I don't know. I, I just I think enough Republicans realize that Trump did cost us quite a few seats last week. I'm not saying he's yeah. the only reason. I mean, Ed, there's plenty of blame to go around. Trump, McConnell, the candidates themselves. The, the ratio of failure went up with the increased based alloy of Trump. Let's yeah. just call that one what it's, it is. Though. It's unavoidable. I, there's there's no yeah. case to be made against that. And I think enough Republicans realize that. And I think enough Republicans are starting to realize that Trump cannot win in 2024. That last no. Tuesday proved to me. I, I, I never would have said that before last week. I needed proof, but I got my proof. We got our proof that Trump cannot win no. the presidency. And, and here's the thing, just playing devil's advocate here, because I, I can't come up with it. So I'm, I'm just trying to put myself in the Trump camp shoes. What case can be made that Trump would or could is capable of performing better in 24 than in 20 because I don't see it. I think the midterms proved it and I'm not even anti-Trump. Like I'm not like, I, I don't know. There's some good, there's some bad. I'd vote for him against Biden or whoever degenerate the, the Democrats put up, but he can't win. I don't believe he can win. How does he gain the support? Women hate him. Minorities hate him. The suburbs hate him. I, I just don't see a path to victory there. Like what is the case for Trump? National elections are very simple. You have to get all your base and you got to turn them out. You got to win independence and you got to get a couple crossover votes from the other side. Yep. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's what Donald Trump won on. He won independence. He got those old blue dog Democrats to cross over. That's how he won. And everybody, nobody, even Democrats, if you got them on an honest moment, nobody wanted Hillary Clinton. Yeah. He was the non Hillary Clinton and he won. That's how he won. How did Joe Biden win the presidency? He won all the independence. 
He got a few crossover votes from people that were sick of Trump, that were just worn out, whatever, you know, whatever that spectrum range of just, I'm just tired of it too, I can't stand him, to the never Trump folks that are, you know, all Trump all the time. That's how Joe Biden won. That's the model. That model does not fit Donald Trump. He can't do that because go look at all the data we just got on this. Suburban women turned off. Independents turned off. Democrats sure aren't going to cross over for him now. There's a big swath of Republicans now that want to move on. That's why they're trying to jump on DeSantis' bandwagon. Because let's be honest, they're a bunch of greedy people, too, the establishment Republicans. Of course. I wrote about this, and I I compared Ron DeSantis to the Powerball winner after last Tuesday's. Like, remember, Ron, like, your friends and family, it's like winning the lottery. They're not your friends and family anymore because they don't see you as friends and family. Yes. You're the next big thing. You're a meal ticket to the entire establishment machine now. I'm going to judge Ron DeSantis a lot on— how he handles this success over the next year, 18 months, assuming he's going to run, is who does he let in? Who does he take advice from? Because they're all they're all making a stream to his door right now, right? Let's be honest. Let's, that's yeah. how that works. Donald Trump doesn't have that. And I and I mentioned it last night. You notice even Matt Gates was like, oh, the weather's not good. I can't fly down to Mar-a-Lago for this. <laughs> there was no Republican office holders of note yeah. there last night. Ivanka tapped out. Did you see that last night? That. She put out a statement that's like, no, nah, I'm going to take care of my family now because, you know, they're, they don't want to be broke and they want to have a business future. So they're, they're stepping off. He's got C. This is the same thing with his legal troubles. People ask, is he ever going to be indicted? He's like, I still doubt it. I think the underlings go down. I don't think they get to him. But the thing about it is he's down to his C and D level lawyers. He's down to his C and D level. All those people that helped him win in 2016 aren't there anymore. They're not there. None of them are there. I don't care how big your personality is. You still have to physically put together a campaign. He doesn't have anybody on his staff that can run a national campaign, not even close to And he was never good at staffing. I mean, some of his main problems when he was in the the White House were were staffing Yeah, as much as you bash the establishment— the Republicans like, OK, we got to beat Hillary. They rolled in there. It's like you need to take. Remember, we went through this whole thing where he had to hire and fire people and, you know, people got arrested and everything else. He fought with the establishment, but the establishment Republicans won that fight with Trump. And that got him the White House because they got people in there that knew what they were doing. Yeah. And, I, you know, just, we have short memories on this stuff. And, uh, just to be as generous to Trump as I possibly can, because a ton of Trump supporters listen to the show. Like, it, here's the thing, man. I just care about beating the Democrats. Like, I just, my, my family, my businesses do better when Republicans are in power. I have more money in my pocket when Republicans are in power. I have my first kid on the way. I, you know, I'd like do to. Do you write know, better songs when Democrats are in office? It's, I don't know. I have good days and bad days, <laughs> no, matter, no matter who's in office. But, uh, <laughs> another topic for another day. Yeah, yeah. No, I, when I'm writing a record, I, uh, it's, it's a job. I write a song a day for about a month. And most of them suck, <laughs> you know. Some of them are good, and that, that's all it is. It's just like a, that's my process. It's not even like it is creative, but it's more like elbow grease than anything else. It's it's kind of weird how I write, but uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, like I like I don't care about Trump's personal flaws. Like I, that doesn't bother me. I'm an anarchist for goodness sakes. I don't think the government should exist. So when a politician is a bad guy or cheats on his wife or whatever, I'm like, oh, okay, he's a man who wants to rule over his neighbors. And force people to do things they don't want to do at gunpoint. That's what a politician is. So it doesn't surprise me when they're a bad human being. And I don't care about January 6th. And I don't care about any of that stuff. I, I just I, I don't think our economy can handle four more years of Biden. I don't think we can handle, you know, fiscally speaking, I, not that Republicans are Austrian economists or anything, but they're slightly better. 
I'm opposing Trump's candidacy because I think he loses. It's that simple. And then for all my friends who are in like the the Trump can do no wrong camp, let's say you're right. You're wrong. But let's just say you're right. Let's say that all the negatives about Trump are all corporate media propaganda. It's all ginned up. You know, he didn't do anything wrong. Who? Can, so what? The press won. Like, the, fine. Let's, let's say Trump did nothing wrong his entire life. The press convinced 70% of the country that he's bad, and, and you know, 60% of the country will never vote for him. So whether it's all lies or not, you just take the L, man. It's like, if it's all the, the press's fault, well, the press won this round. What are you going to do? I mean, if you're in a boxing match and, you know, somebody has lead in their gloves and you get knocked out and then the ref never catches you, well, you still got knocked out. Like, it, you know, by, by hook or by crook, they won. Trump lost. It, it, You know, you can think that sucks. You can wish it was different. I'm sure I wish a lot of things were different about the world yeah. than the way that they are. But it is what it is. So it's like even being as generous, you know, like even let's say I agree with the hardcore Trump supporters that he can do no wrong and it's all propaganda. Well, the propaganda worked. So I, even even being as generous as I possibly can, in my opinion, that is still insurmountable in 2024. Hey, I'll get, I'll I'll go ahead and make people real mad for you because I do I do truth on my program and I'm only got to be here every you know couple months so I'll make it mad. Let 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 me just be blunt as an analysis and sitting looking at this stuff. You just got Joe Biden at his weakest and you fumbled. Yeah, yeah. Because here the Joe Biden in 2024, assuming his health holds up, God forbid anything happens to the president. I don't wish him ill personally or health wise. Unless he just physically can't do it or something, and I'm not talking about the crazy conspiracy theories. The man's just old. It's just is what it is. As long as he's upright and they can prop him in front of a video camera, he's going to be hard to beat because you just had him at his weakest. He now gets a dysfunctional Republican Congress to run against, so now nothing's his fault anymore. They're probably—I think Walker loses the runoff now with Trump and all this other stuff. absolutely he loses. I'd be shocked if he wins that runoff. The difference—we just talked with Eric about this on my show, Heard Tell, available on all the podcasting platforms and YouTube and Facebook. Check us out. I recommend it. Uh— Eric and I just talked about this because he he goes to these congressional hearings. The difference between 50 and 51 is night and day because 50-50, they split the committee assignments. 51-49, yeah. they've got subpoena power. They don't split it. It's not even. Yeah. That's yeah. a huge deal. Um, so now Biden's going to have a very dysfunctional, very raucous. Kevin McCarthy's not going to be able to control that caucus. They're going to have their hands full. The Republican Party's going to have to deal with this Trump stuff at least for the next couple months, if not the first year and a half, until they get their candidate established. Whoever their candidate is is still going to have to deal with Trump because I doubt he goes quietly. Biden in 2024 is going to be stronger than Biden in 2022. And y'all folks on the right just better recognize that and deal with it and start making a plan. Because that's just the reality on the ground. Incumbency has huge, huge advantages. And you better not run crazy against it because we just saw what happens if you run crazy against, you know, within the boundaries crazy. (laughs) Not that Biden's all that hot stuff, but people are they're used to him. They're comfortable with him. He doesn't scare people. Right. And that's just the facts on the ground. You you need to get your mind right. And I think people like DeSantis know this because they're smart enough. Yeah. Biden's not going to be an easy out. Yeah. Yeah. And. and People need to understand that. Obviously, I'm glad Republicans took the House. You know, I hope I hope somehow Walker can can pull a rabbit out of his hat there, uh, so they can split those committee appointments. But uh, 
that at this point I highly doubt it, especially if Trump decides to insert himself. I actually feel bad Georgia. for the dude. Did you see him come out this week and go, hey, wait a minute, why am I not getting the money that's raised in my yeah. name in the party and Trump's keeping it? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I think the dude really has gotten exploited to a certain extent. And he got pumped sides. up a little bit. Yeah. It's both sides. The establishment feel side bad and him. the Trump side are both using that runoff to raise money for themselves and they're not giving, it, giving any of it to Herschel. Warnock I mean, is, is the number two fundraiser in the Democratic Party this cycle behind uh, Kelly, who, which is why people didn't believe me on that. I was like, no, you don't understand. Kelly is an absolute money printer. Yeah, he he outs- was by he outspent, far and away. I mean, he outspent Blake Masters something like five, five and a half to one. Yeah, everybody's was, like, well, why didn't you put 10? I was like, you, you could have put 50 million in that race. Yeah, it would have made a bit of difference. Yeah, he, But Warnock is a money, Warnock's a money printer. And he's got personal issues, too, that'll have to come out in the campaign. People will make up their own minds. Yeah, he ran but, over yeah. his ex-wife with his car. <laughs> allegedly. Um, allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. But, you know, what... Look, here, here's here's your thing, though. It's like, even if you love Herschel Walker, he's a celebrity candidate. Like, there's good yeah. folks in Georgia. Like, look at, you know, Kemp just won that state handily. There's one good eight, One by eight points, yeah. And, yep. a, and he won by, what, 58,000 votes last time? It was close. Yep. I mean, it wasn't DeSantis level, but that's an impressive win. Yeah. With a purpling Georgia. Yeah. You know, let's be honest here. There, you got to run good candidates, and there's good candidates out there, and you got to quit chasing these. And maybe with Trump diminishing, some of this will go away, but I doubt it. Quit looking for a savior, man. Get people that can do the job that people can relate to, and run them for office, and let them run their races. It, this I, stuff isn't complicated, but you got to commit to it and go with it. And some people figured out, like JD Vance in Ohio, around September, figured out what he was doing wrong. Like he started his campaign was all like the, you know, he was campaigning to be like senator of right-wing twitter like he was running he like he was acted like he wanted to represent like the staff of the daily caller and american greatness and stuff he was talking about breaking up amazon all the time and talking about trump all the time then yeah. somebody said like, don't care about that yeah like so somebody sat him down is like hey jd you're running for senate in ohio so and he and he got the message it was somewhere in september he was polling neck and neck with tim ryan he started talking about Biden and the economy and energy and Ohio, you know, issues that Ohio. He stopped talking about the southern border because Ohioans don't care about this. Now, I'm not saying that's not important, but you're running for Ohio, not you're not running in New Mexico. And he focused. He stopped talking about Trump all the time. He focused on Ohio issues and he won by seven or eight points. So it's like, you know, these candidates, you can love Trump as much as you want. But my goodness, you can't like it's like you can't have this hollowed out movement of just this cult of personality around Trump. It just doesn't work. And like the candidates that figured that out did well and the candidates that didn't did not. And it's just the one thing that I'm, you know, every single governor and every single senator believes that they will be the next president of the United States. Cause that's just how, that's how the Senate and that's how these governorships work now, unfortunately. Um, I mean, heck, half the house of representatives, you know, wakes up to an alarm clock playing hail to the chief every morning. But, um, I mean, it, my the, alarm's meatloaf, just for the record. <laughs> I don't have an alarm. I wake up at like four, four thirty without one, so I'm I'm good. But I, uh, I I am worried that look. I know it's too early. Everybody should keep their powder dry, yada yada. But I'm not gonna. DeSantis is the guy. I mean, he is the guy. I mean, he is. I do view him as a generationally good candidate. I mean, he's he's a great communicator. He's an effective governor. He is right on most of the issues. Um, you know, I, I could, I just hope we don't get something where Mike Pence runs, Nikki Haley runs. Mike Asa Pence is Hutchinson already running. Run. He, he's had a $20 million 
30 person staff for over a year now. He's I mean, running. That's why the book tour is going right now. So I addressed it on the show telling, this morning. Who is telling that man? He because he he's got nowhere. He's got nowhere. He's Richard Gear, man. I got nowhere else to go. He's got nowhere <laughs> else to go. He's got a fundraise, and he and he in his mind. Go let Tom Lobianco. Who is his audience? Who is his audience? Tom Lobianco is his biographer. Wrote Piet, Piety and Power, an outstanding book. Mike Pence from Indiana all the way through January sixth. You got to go read. I've had him on my show. I've got him on the show today. A recap of it. He's got people in his circle telling him he's Daniel. I am not making this up. He thinks he's Daniel from the Bible. Dude, I got a Daniel three tattoo. Okay, I know my Daniel. <laughs> right. He's no Daniel. No. All right. Um, but no, he's running, uh, Pompeo's definitely running. Those two guys are already running. Let's all be adults here. We'll see what the saying. I'll give you a quick story though. You mentioned the Southern border thing with JD Vance. This is a true story. Uh, Ted Budd just won the Senate seat in North Carolina, right? Yep. I interviewed him back in the primary, right before the primary for our radio partner. And I did the radio interview for him. He was touring with the head of the border patrol. In North Carolina, which is nowhere, the Texas Border Patrol guys touring with him. Do you know what, how weird, you do media hits. He literally handed the phone to this guy to take part of his interview time. That's how much he thought the southern border was going to help him. And he won his primary. But then by, again, August, September, all of a sudden, he's not talking about that. Why? Because Sherry Beasley started getting within single digits of him. Yeah. She was running the Kay Hagan playbook of play the moderate, play the moderate. She's not. She was a Supreme Court justice that got voted out because she was progressive. But she was a very strong candidate. She was running a really smart campaign. She started getting close. All of a sudden, guess what he started talking about? Inflation, economy. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's universal across these guys. Um, same thing with Herschel Walker. All of a sudden in September, they got he took some outside help and he started downplaying expectations for the debate, which worked because now, you know, Warnock's in a no-win situation because if you don't knock him out, you're an idiot. And if you do yeah, knock yeah. him out, you don't win anything. You know, same thing. He got back on those messages. Yep. That stuff really matters. And that's, to bring that back to DeSantis for a second, I know I'm spitting in the wind and this is going to fall in death ears, but I'm always that guy anyway, so fine. I'll be this <laughs> Republican Party, if you really think Ron DeSantis is all that, he's going to be all that on his own. Don't rush this thing because you got to let him take his lumps. You got to let him get his. He doesn't have the national exposure yet. I know he's popular on Twitter. That's not national exposure. He's got to have his first couple of mistakes and overcome him. He's got to have some challenges to beat over. This is like a guy going for a heavyweight title fight. You got to get some fights in there. He's got to get punched a time or two. Don't rush this thing because the Republican Party, I never underestimate their ability to screw something up because they do it all the time. They can screw DeSantis up if they don't handle it right, especially if they start piddling with it. But, so but I, I think I, I he had is to, the next best thing, but we'll see. I agree. I agree with you there, but it has to be 2024. Like he, he needs to take his time, overcome some obstacles, learn how to raise money. I mean, he's, he's already a pretty solid fundraiser. You know, he's got to make mistakes. He's, he's going to. But it's got to be 2024. One, because Trump can't win. And the future of the American economy depends on us beating Joe Biden. Well, I mean, how many candidates, the Elizabeth Warrens, the Chris Christie's, the yeah, people yes. who we thought they had yes. a moment and they blew yes. it. That's the um, thing. People and yeah. Trump, Trump's fans, they love DeSantis. And they're like, you know, we want Trump to run in 2024. DeSantis should wait till 2028. I, I say this all the time on the show. If Elizabeth Warren ran in 2016, she'd be president of the United States right now. 
Elizabeth Warren was the strongest candidate the Democrats had. Yeah. Hillary Clinton either asked her not to run or threatened to kill her. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, whatever. Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren hey. had a conversation, and she didn't run for president. And then she decides to lie about being an Indian. She turns into a Bernie Sanders communist. She loses her freaking mind, and now she's a laughingstock. You know, I'm not saying Ron DeSantis would, like, pretend to be another race and turn into a Marxist, no. but, but he's never going to—you know— it, Politicians have a moment. Trump's moment yeah. was 2016. Like politicians have moments. If DeSantis doesn't run, in, I'm not saying declare tomorrow or in, even in the next six months. But if you, 2024 is his moment, and he's not going to be able to recreate it in 2028. So take your time, overcome no, things, but also it's got to be relatively soon. I agree. By the way, people don't believe me on this, but I'm on a mirror. Hillary leaves Bill the summer of 97 and does a women's lib thing. She's not only a two-term president, she probably has a statue on the mall right now. Probably. Because yeah. everything after that is, oh, well, Hillary's a hypocrite. Why? Yeah, yeah. Because she covered for Bill. If yeah. she pulls that trigger, she would have been an unstoppable political force. When People don't believe a, that now. When she was a sympathetic character, yeah. She could have, she, man, she would have had a, she'd have a statue on the mall right now. Yeah. You'd, you'd be taking your kids and taking pictures in front of it. But yeah, people, that's people, the point, though. A yeah, lot of people are too young to remember when Hillary Clinton was a sympathetic figure. <laughs> I mean, that seems unimaginable now, but it it, it happened. But that's where, but that's where the cynicism started, right there. Yeah. Because everybody knew right then, like, oh, okay, you're just doing this for the power thing. That was the start of it. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, with DeSantis, this this is, you can't wait for your moment because if you wait there's always somebody new coming down you know yep. the old show girls line, like look there's somebody younger and better coming down the stairs behind you and they're going to shove you at some point yeah that's just the beast man so if, if he doesn't jump and i don't blame him if he doesn't by the way if he just wants to be governor of florida and then go be as you know 30-year senator god bless of course but if he's going to do it he's got to do it because here's the thing whoever the next republican guy is if you if you're the person that takes trump out that's going to give you the cachet that's a scalp, man. So if you if you can do it, if you can knock him out, now the party, now you're not winning the primary. Now the party owes you. Yeah, Buster Douglas. That's a man. whole different dynamic, and that gives you set up for success. So yeah. well, gonna be an interesting couple of years, my friend. It'll be fun to cover it. <laughs> I, everybody, talk, my family asked me again a couple weeks ago. I was like, "What do you think of Trump running again?" I'm like. Bad for the country, good for business. Going back to the press, and I know you got to run here, but man, going yeah. back to the press, we were this close to CNN being out of business. You know, I mean, like they're circling. I, I, I'm usually, I'm not, I don't mean specifically CNN. I mean all of lefty corporate media. Not like, my opinion. Close. I've, I've got it sourced. There was so much stuff going on under Zucker that got covered, like just the stuff oh, leaking yeah. out. Yeah, it was it. it they almost Warner Discovery almost did shutter the whole thing. It Man. was closer than people think it but was. But now they're going to be making money hand over fist again because of Trump. I mean, Trump is bailing out corporate media. How yeah. how how frustrating is that? But Andrew, I know oh. you got to run. Yeah. Uh, Six billion gotta... dollars in advertising this year. That we're single handedly propping up media just on political ads. So we'll talk about that next time, bro. That's obscene. Andrew, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. Where can everybody check out your show, which I highly recommend? Where can everybody follow yeah. you, read your stuff, all that good stuff? We're at ordinary-times.com. I'm the uh, managing editor there for a couple of years. Really sharp people all across the spectrum. Their herd tell is our program daily. We also have long-form podcasts where we do fun stuff. 
uh, all the podcasting platforms. The YouTube page has some extras on there too, has some there down. When you get you over on my show, it's been a long time since I had you on mine, even longer than I've been on yours. So we'll get you on there soon too. But Herd Tell Show, we're very proud of it. Uh, it's doing way better than we ever dreamed of. So appreciate folks checking that out. I'm at Four for the Fire on the Twitter. That's where I spend way too much of my time. We also do fun things like Supper Club because you go hunt and kill it and put it on there and then I send it out to the masses of how good your food looks, buddy. Absolutely, man. Twitter Supper Club is definitely the greatest part of Twitter, I have to say. It's, no it's a, a, a bright spot in, you know, Mordor or, or something. Not even I don't know close. what to compare it to. But uh, everybody check out Herdtel. Everybody follow Andrew. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.